The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello everyone and welcome to the week 12 edition of Falato on Football here on Big Blue View Radio. I am your host Nicholas Falato, and we are about to go over this week 12 slate of games. First, we got to start with our beloved New York Giants, who are now on top of the NFC East with a 4 and 7 record, but unfortunately, we all know what happened. Okay? Giants beat an inferior opponent today, but the cost was the health of the starting quarterback Daniel Jones, who appears to have suffered a pretty significant hamstring injury during the Giants' first drive of the second half on a design quarterback run, which you have to utilize because Daniel Jones has that in his arsenal, but there's always a fear that something like this is going to happen. He ends up going down, and he grabbed his hamstring. He stayed in. He played a few snaps, left the game, came back in, and then couldn't put any weight on that throwing leg, and then he was ruled out after that. I mean, this is really concerning. It's unfortunate given the Giants' 19-17 victory in Cincinnati, put them in the lead for the NFC East. Now they're in the driver's seat, and they have a somewhat hard schedule, but Daniel Jones, he looked phenomenal in this game when he was looking to kind of roll coming out of the bye week with the two previous games also having him look pretty damn good, looked like he was really progressing since that debacle on Monday Night Football against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And in this game, Jones was relieved by Colt McCoy, who looked like a quarterback who hasn't really taken that many snaps in practice. I mean, it's a tough spot to be in. So Colt McCoy, on his career, he has about a 60% completion rate with just over 6,000 yards passing for a touchdown-to-interception ratio of 29-27. to So this initial speculative diagnosis with Daniel Jones, which is reported, which was, I should say, reported by Jordan Ronan, states that the Injury may be a little worse than just a tweak, but we'll have to wait for Jones's MRI tomorrow, and we have to see what the information that trickles in. I mean, I'm not overly optimistic about seeing him in the next two weeks, to be honest, which is incredibly unfortunate, but I'm not a damn doctor, so we'll have to wait and see and hope that he heals up quickly. Daniel Jones, hopefully you uh, get the help you need, my friend. As for the game, the Giants established a line of scrimmage, which was somewhat expected. Wayne Gallman looked fantastic once again as the lead back of the New York football Giants in relief for the injured Saquon Barkley back from week two. In this game, Wayne Gallman rushed 24 times for 94 yards and a touchdown. Looked spry, looked physical, always falling forward. You got to love what Wayne Gallman offers as that number two running back. He's looking for a contract next year and he may be playing his way into it. It seems like he fits what Joe Judge wants in these types of running backs and the defense was very good against a quarterback that they should have been very good against 
That's something that we could definitely say. They were opportunistic. They forced turnovers, and you'll love to see it. And the one area of the Giants that wasn't great was special teams, which is, you know, ironic due to the presence of Joe Judge, former special teams coordinator for the Super Bowl champion New England Patriots, and special teams coordinator Thomas McGahey, who's also a stud special teams coordinator in his own right. But the Giants, they drove down the field to score on that initial Gallman touchdown, their opening possession, and then the Bengals return a kick for a touchdown. I mean, this rarely happens in today's NFL. This isn't the 90s or the 2000s. There's no Dante Hall or Devin Hester. But afterwards, the kickoff unit adjusted after that, you know, wouldn't kick it square to Brandon Wilson, who had that 103-yard kick return for six. I mean, good on Brandon Wilson, but the Giants need to clean this up. Their punt returns weren't that much better either. So special teams definitely needs work. Graham Cano for special teams was awesome in this game, however. So we cannot overlook that. As was Evan Ingram. Had a very nice game, although he... Evan Ingram, which I think every Giant fan knows what I'm talking about when I say that, with that lack of ball security on the lone Giants turnover, which really kept the game competitive. I mean, the Giants were on a 12-play drive, methodically moving the football down the football field, or as Hank Stram would say, matriculating down the football field. And that drive was cut short by the Evan Ingram fumble. And that led to the Bengals taking a 10-7 lead in the second quarter. And then... Graham Gano in the second half, the defense, they came up really large for the Giants. Rookie Darnay Holmes and Nico Lelos combined for that interception. Let's not forget, Holmes gets his hand into the catch point to force that PBU, to force it to just jolt ever so high in the air. And then Nico Lelos, his first time playing in the NFL, his opening experience to his NFL life, finds the ball and makes an important pick in that 13-10 game. And that play led to another Gano field goal. And the defense forced a fumble after that field goal, thanks to Logan Ryan doing an excellent job punching the ball out of Drew Sample's hands. And Logan Ryan is fantastic. There's no other way around it. He's been such a bright light for that secondary, a secondary that was already talented. You got guys like Isaac Yadam coming along. Patrick Graham's doing great things with this defense. And I know this offense, the Bengals offense that is, it's not the best barometer by any stretch of the imagination with Brandon Allen leading the way. But you could still see how this defense plays. You could still see the pressure that they're getting against a subpar offensive line. But it's something that they've been able to do quite a bit this season. Especially given the fact that they don't really have any edge rushers. So, I like what I see from this defensive unit, even though it's against this offense. And the lone offensive touchdown, though, that was scored by the Cincinnati Bengals was frankly kind of a product of a ghost pass interference call against Darnay Holmes that switched a fourth and 10 into a first and goal. The refs, in my opinion, were a bit inconsistent, but I mean, you're going to get that from time to time. So as for some statistics in this game, Daniel Jones looked really good. Excellent ball placement on certain passes in this game. The one to Evan Ingram, deep, really comes to my mind. He had a couple to Evan Ingram that were really, really nice. And he was looking like he was going to have himself one of those great Daniel Jones games. Maybe not throwing for as many touchdowns as we would like, but he still went 16 of 27 for 213 yards. Colt McCoy came in the game, went 6 of 10 for 31 yards. Could have threw a pick on one. I think you could say the same about Daniel Jones, though. And as for the rushing, Daniel Jones had 19 yards on 6 attempts. And then that was Wayne Gallman with the 24 for 94. One tutty. They were also trying end arounds. Alfred Morris got in the game, obviously. Something similar with the Cincinnati Bengals. They couldn't really establish the run, though, at all. Eight carries for 32 yards with a 15-yard long for Giovanni Bernard. And outside that, they really couldn't do much. 
Brennan Allen didn't have that much success against his team. Threw the ball 29 times, completed 17 of them for 136 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Was sacked twice by the New York Giants in this game. T. Higgins had five catches for 44 yards and that one touchdown. And outside that, Tyler Boyd couldn't really get anything going. A.J. Green had three targets, zero catches. Since the Giants secondary kind of clamping down, playing top down like they always do. Match zone, spot drop, doing their thing, and forcing the Bengals to punt the football quite a bit. As for the New York Giants receivers, Evan Ingram, 9 targets, 6 for 129. Sterling Shepard, 8 targets, 7 for 64. Golden Tate, 9 targets, 4 for 36. And then Wayne Gallman had 5 targets, caught 3 of them for negative 3 yards. He had one pretty large loss in that. So you have to love what you see from the Giants defense. For the Giants offense with Daniel Jones, and then it slowed down just a little bit with Colt McCoy coming in. The Giants didn't win convincingly. And even though the game was one possession in the fourth quarter, it didn't. I was never really overly scared the Giants would end up losing this football game against a Brandon Allen-led offense, but anything can happen in the NFL. Giants in this game possessed the ball 37 minutes to 22 minutes of the Bengals. Giants had 386 total yards. Cincinnati had 155 total yards. Giants had 19 first downs. Cincinnati had 11 first downs. Then you have the turnovers. Giants forced three. Bengals had the one because of Evan Ingram with his fumbling issues. That happens sometimes. But the Giants are now 4-7 in the lead of the NFC East with the Eagles playing on Monday Night Football. And as we remember from Thanksgiving, Washington went right down to Jerry World and absolutely beat the crap out of the Cowboys. So Giants, see how long this lasts without Daniel Jones. Doesn't look great, but as of right now, they hold that spot. And the NFC East uh, <laughs> doesn't seem like a lot of those teams are really ascending at the moment, but we'll see how all that materializes. The Arizona Cardinals continue to slip up and struggle here now. They drop the 6-5 and five by losing to the New England Patriots, who ascend to 5-6. and six. Patriots 20, Arizona Cardinals 17. Now, the Cardinals had to travel west to east, 1 o'clock game. I always talk about that and how significant that that actually is. Not a lot of people seem to really be on to that. We saw Kyler Murray struggle in this game. Could be in part because of the time difference. Could be in part because he has this slight shoulder issue. But Kyler Murray, 23 of 34 for 170 yards passing with one interception. Could never find a groove. And Arizona seemed to rely on that rushing attack, which makes me think that Murray has to be dealing with some discomfort with this shoulder issue. Kenyon Drake had 22 carries for 78 yards and two touchdowns in this game. DeAndre Hopkins had five catches for 55 yards. Andy Isabella, four for 33 since Larry Fitzgerald is on the COVID list. Christian Kirk, three for 19. But this team couldn't really do anything against his Bill Belichick-coached New England Patriots defense. And Cam Newton didn't really do anything either. Nine of 18 for 84 yards and two picks. And Damian Harris... 14 carries for 47 yards. Jacoby Myers, 5 for 52 on 6 targets. And it was sloppy offense and missed Zane Gonzalez field goal. And then James White that led to this Arizona Cardinal demise. James White had 2 touchdowns in this game rushing. There is no Rex Burkhead. Remember that? He was hurt against Houston last week, and it was James White on the ground that ended up kind of picking up the slack, along with Damian Harris, who is kind of that bell cow, two down back. James White had just five carries for 18 yards, but in the red zone, he had both of them, and he ended up getting two touchdowns out of it, whereas Damian Harris had the 14 carries for 47 yards, no touchdowns. Cam Newton using his leg, nine carries for 46 yards. And those two touchdowns, along with the field goals from Nick Folk, proved to be enough to take down the Arizona Cardinals as they continue to slip. But there was a big 
win for the 49ers, knocking the Rams back a little bit. And then we'll have to see what happens on Monday Night Football to kind of spice up the NFC West a little bit. Now let's go across town to the New York Jets with Sam Darnold starting in this game, no Joe Flacco, and the Miami Dolphins coming off of a loss against the quarterbacked team, Denver Broncos, and I say that for a reason, obviously, and the Miami Dolphins go into MetLife and beat the Jets 20-3. to Ryan Fitzpatrick was a starting quarterback, not Tua Tagovailoa, because Tua is hurt at the moment with a thumb injury, and Fitzpatrick was respectable. 39 attempts, 24 completions, 257 yards, two touchdowns. Devontae Parker had eight catches for 119 yards on 14 targets. But it was Adam Shaheen and Mike Kosicki, the two tight ends, that ended up getting the touchdowns in this game. And no receivers had more than two catches outside of Devontae Parker who had those eight catches. And on the ground, without Ahmad, Salvin Ahmad, without Miles Gaskin, it was DeAndre Washington, who the Dolphins acquired from the Chiefs not long ago, who got the majority of the carries. He had 13 carries for 49 yards. Matt Breida had eight for 36. And then we have the New York Jets who had the one field goal, who tried establishing the run, gave Frank Gore the ball 18 times. He had 74 yards, respectable, over four yards a carry, but the Jets just couldn't do anything through the air. I mean, Sam Darnold, 16 completions on 27 attempts for under 200 yards, 197 and two picks. He targeted Denzel Mims and Brashad Perriman eight times each, four for 79 for Perriman, four for 67 for Mims. Jamison Crowder barely getting involved. And this is Adam Gase. It's Adam Gase's team. And they're securing themselves to join the Lions of 2008 and the Browns of 2017. Only the Jets will be getting Trevor Lawrence more than likely. Browns got Baker Mayfield, which doesn't necessarily seem like they're comparable at the moment. But Lawrence has to prove it on the big boy stage. Still has to do that. The Jets got 260 yards total offense. Miami had 345. Miami is the better football team. They go to 7-4. The Jets fall to 0-11. And And they do not have a lot more winnable games left. They get to go up to Foxborough to play Bill Belichick. That's a game that you look at and say, oh, is that winnable? I don't really think so. And the Patriots are not the Patriots of old. But the Jets, man, they're just absolutely atrocious. Then we had the Chargers and the Bills, another West Coast team traveling to the East for a 1 o'clock start. Chargers got off to a slow start in this game. Anthony Lynn, being Anthony Lynn, definitely does not help this team whatsoever. At the end of the game, Justin Herbert completed like a 40-yard pass that was absolutely insane. It was a 55-yard pass to Tyron Johnson. Got them down to the 3-yard line. It's a 10-point game, but there's about 35 seconds left in this game. The next play, Anthony Lynn runs the football. When the Chargers don't have any timeouts, giving the Chargers basically one more play where Justin Herbert tried to sneak it in and couldn't get in. Andy Lynn is a terrible head coach, and it's unfortunate that Justin Herbert is, is kind of carrying this team right now, and they're still 3-8. and eight. Justin Herbert has done so much better than a 3-8 and eight team, but this team keeps finding ways to lose, and Anthony Lynn is just ultra-conservative as a head coach, and he just makes really, really mind-bottling decisions quite often it's pretty frustrating to see Justin Herbert in that kind of environment because if you could see him with like an Andy Reid you'd be seeing something really special kind of and he's not Pat, Mah- Pat Mahomes but something along those lines of wow this is the new kid on the block and he still gets that respect despite the fact that his team isn't winning games 
And in this game too, man, Joey Bosa had one heck of a game. Looked like he hurt Josh Allen at one point. Luckily, he did not. Joey Bosa in this game at three sacks was all over the place. Was jawing at the Bills. But the Bills won this game 27-17. Austin Eckler had a great game back. 14 carries for 44 yards, but 16 targets, 11 catches for 85 yards. Herbert, 316 yards. Threw a bad pick, had a touchdown. Threw the ball 52 times in this game. And as for Buffalo, Josh Allen, 18-24 for 157, 1-1. Josh Allen also had a rushing touchdown too. Took a 15-yard penalty afterwards by spinning the ball right in front of a defender's face. And then Cole Beasley had a passing touchdown as well. A nice little trick play. Passing touchdown was to Gabriel Davis, who finished 3-for-79 with that touchdown. You want to see the Chargers, man, break away from th- this this curse that they seem to have. It's been going on for, for years now. They're either always incredibly injured or they're losing really, really close games. This goes back, this predates Anthony Lynn. This goes back to when they had Young Hoku as their kicker and he cost the team like three games. Before that, this kind of stuff was happening, especially in terms of the injuries with the San Diego Chargers back then. But Herbert is the real deal. And you'd like to see some better decision-making from that coaching staff. Don't get it week in and week out. You absolutely do not. Also in this game, Keenan Allen had a 4 for 40 on 10 targets. Not the game that he had last week, but still, Keenan Allen, absolute stud, added a touchdown on top of that. Let's look at the Titans and the Colts. Remember, a few short weeks ago, the Indianapolis Colts went down to Tennessee and beat the Titans pretty impressively. On Thursday Night Football, everyone was watching it. Well, Titans uh, definitely did not like that. The Titans... Go to 8-3. and three. The Colts fall to 7-4. and four. Titans reestablish themselves at the top of this division by beating the Colts 45-26. to 26. Now, DeForest Buckner, he is a defensive player, defensive lineman, who was on the Super Bowl NFC losing team last year, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Colts traded a first-round pick for him when the 49ers drafted Javon Kinlaw with that pick. He was out in this game, DeForest Buckner. Which really showed because Derrick Henry, wow, had 27 carries for 178 yards and three touchdowns in this game, running all over the Colts without DeForest Buckner. And it was basically just the Tennessee Titans from the opening snap till the end. The Colts put up some garbage points at the end of the game, had 12 fourth quarter points. Tennessee scored 14 points in the first quarter and 21 points in the second Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown with a 69-yard touchdown where he just outran like three or four defenders, just beating them to the angle. He had four for 98 in that touchdown on six targets. He is just an absolute freak, to be honest. Like I say, they always talk about D.K. Metcalf, his teammate in college, A.J. Brown. He's very freaky as well. Excellent player. Corey Davis, three targets, three for 70. And they didn't really have to do that much through the air. And Ryan Tannehill actually added a rushing touchdown as well. Could have been Derrick Henry with four touchdowns. There were some huge fantasy weeks in this in this entire slate. Derrick Henry, Tyreek Hill, who we'll get into. Will Fuller, Antonio Gibson. Insane, really. And as for the Colts, Phillip Rivers finished respectable. He had the one pick, threw the ball 42 times, completed 24 of them for 295 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. And there was no Jonathan Taylor in this game because his girlfriend ended up getting COVID and he was a close contact, so he could not play. So it was Jordan Wilkins. Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines, 10 carries for 29 yards. Jordan Wilkins, 6 for 22. And then Naheem Hines had 10 targets, caught 8 of them for 66 yards. T.Y. Hilton got in the end zone for the first time this year. 5 targets, 4 catches for 81 yards, and a tutty. And then it was 
Trey Boo Boo, Trey Burton, six targets, three catches for 42 yards and a touchdown. Michael Pittman Jr., look, he had nine targets in this game. Last week, he had three. Caught all three of them, got in the end zone. This week, he caught two of them for 28 yards, did not get in the end zone. Tennessee's defense stepped up here a little bit. They've been really susceptible to passes to the outside, to the boundary, but they didn't let that up. Gave up 14 points in the first half, and then gave up 12 in the fourth quarter, shut them down in the third quarter. Tennessee imposed their will on Indianapolis, and now Tennessee just beat Baltimore and the Colts, two really good teams. Now they're 8-3. and three. Can't write them off whatsoever. All right, before we get into the rest of the games, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Baker Mayfield and the 8-3 Cleveland Browns now go down to Jacksonville to beat the now 1-10 Jaguars 27-25. Baker Mayfield looked a bit shaky to begin this game, missing a couple throws, but he ends up hitting Austin Hooper with one touchdown, and he ends up finding Jarvis Landry, who has a monster 11-target, 8-catch, 143-1 game. Baker Mayfield finished this game with 258 yards, 19-29 of 29 passing, two touchdowns, was only sacked twice, but it was Jarvis Landry. And it was Nick Chubb, man. Nick Chubb, 19 carries for 144 yards and a touchdown. Kareem Hunt, 10 carries for 62 yards. And Kareem Hunt really didn't do anything through the air. Had two targets. Did nothing. That's kind of his shtick. That's kind of usually what he does well. But Landry, man, had an excellent outing and just was able to kind of put this passing offense on his back the assistance of Baker Mayfield, obviously, who's throwing the football. But Mayfield can be a bit erratic at times. But the Jacksonville Jaguars made this game really, really close to be honest coming back in the second half I mean this game going into halftime was 17 to 13 and then Jacksonville was able to put up 12 points in the second half to 10 points from Cleveland Cleveland gets two point edge Jacksonville though 
drove down the field towards the end of the fourth quarter and went to tie it up. It was a touchdown to James Robinson. They go for two, and Mike Glennon just couldn't complete it. But Mike Glennon, for Mike Glennon, wasn't terrible in this game. He had a couple errant throws that you see here and there. But he finished 20 completions on 35 attempts for 235 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. And they were just handing the ball to James Robinson. 22 carries for 128 yards and a touchdown. Colin Johnson had a really acrobatic touchdown run. Yards after the catch that really assisted Mike Glennon. Four catches for 96 yards and a touchdown. The rookie from Texas, really big guy. Filling in for another really big guy, DJ Chark, who is out. Keelan Cole, 3 for 44 in this game. And then Tyler Eifert, 3 for 16 with that one touchdown. But it really all came down to that two-point conversion that would have forced overtime. And things would have got really, really interesting. Jacksonville, let's not forget, 1 in 10. If they win another game, they're basically playing themselves out of the chance that the Jets might fall into a win. Because if the Jets do fall into a win, if they trip and fall right into a win, Jacksonville gets that number one pick as of right now. But we'll have to wait and see if that continues. But Jacksonville, their team is its beat up first off. And it's just kind of disgraceful at the moment. I mean, they just fired their general manager, David Caldwell. And Doug Marone is probably going to be on the way out as well. Cleveland goes down. And this is Cleveland is a it's a team that you, you can pick on easily, right? But hey, these are the games that you win on the road. This is the first weather game that wasn't incredibly windy or rainy that Cleveland's played in in three weeks because they were by, and then they played in two incredibly ridiculously cold, windy, and rainy kind of games. So Cleveland, you're supposed to win these kind of games. Now, let's see what you can do for the rest of the season. Then we had the Panthers and the Vikings. <laughs> the Vikings win this game by scoring 18 points in the fourth quarter. And this game was kind of outrageous, really. This was a very entertaining game. Panthers lose this game 27-28. to Teddy Bridgewater missed two pretty wide-open touchdown passes to DJ Moore, who ended up leaving this game with an injury. And that was pretty frustrating, to be honest. DJ Moore was wide open. Teddy Bridgewater put the ball behind him. DJ Moore landed awkwardly on his leg. And then in the first quarter, DJ Moore on a big post route was wide open and Teddy could not hit him. So Bridgewater, I know this was his return home to play the Vikings, his former team, a team that drafted him in the first round, did not go that well for Teddy Bridgewater, who finished 19 of 36 for 267 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. He was doing some things with his legs. He had those two carries for 12 yards, picked up a couple first downs with that. But it just it wasn't it wasn't great for Teddy Bridgewater. Carolina couldn't do much on the ground. 15 carries for Mike Davis for 55 yards. Rod Smith was in there way too often for my liking. Seven carries for 18 yards. Robbie Anderson had a nice 41-yard touchdown. Four catches for 94 yards. Seven targets. Curtis Samuel five for 72 on five targets. And then DJ Moore four for 61 on nine targets. And as for the Vikings. That's where it got kind of interesting. Dalvin Cook ended up getting hurt in this game and coming back into the game, but he was bottled up by Carolina's rush defense, a run defense that's not that great. Minnesota's passing offense without Adam Thielen is suspect, so you'd think, but not in this game, especially not in the fourth quarter. Kirk Cousins, 34-45 for 307 yards and three touchdowns. Dalvin Cook, 18 carries for 61 yards, zero touchdowns. And it was B.C. Johnson. 7 of 74 for 7 targets. Justin Jefferson, 13 targets, 7 for 70, 2 touchdowns. And then Chad Beebe, who fumbled a punt, putting Carolina in the place to take the lead in the fourth quarter, scoring the go-ahead touchdown. Chad Beebe, 7 catches for 63 yards, that fumble, and that go-ahead touchdown. He went from being the GOAT, and I'm not talking about the greatest of all time, but someone that everybody hated, to 
being basically the hero by catching that go-ahead touchdown. And then it wasn't even over after that. After that, there was about 45 seconds left on the clock. Teddy Bridgewater connects with Curtis Samuel down the field for 35 yards to put Joey Sly in a field goal range. But Joey Sly was wide left on a 54-yard field goal attempt, which would have made the Carolina Panthers win this game. But it was just weird, man. I mean, you had Jeremy Chin score two defensive touchdowns on consecutive plays, which I don't think has ever been done in NFL history. He had a strip fumble of Kirk Cousins that he took back for a touchdown, and then the next play, he stripped Dalvin Cook and took it back for a touchdown. And that was the play Dalvin Cook got hurt on. Again, he came back into the game. So it was a really weird game. Jeremy Chin, rookie for the Carolina Panthers, had two touchdowns in that fashion. So it was an oddball kind of game where the defense ended up probably scoring a bunch of fantasy points, but it just wasn't enough for the Carolina Panthers. And then we had the Raiders, another West Coast team, traveling east, the better Raider team, going to the Atlanta Falcons and losing terribly. Terribly. The Raiders didn't even put up a fight. 43-6, to the Falcons beat them. The Raiders fall to 6-5, and five, Falcons go to 4-7. and seven. Derek Carr, 215 yards passing and a pick in this game. Nate Peterman came into the game late in mop-up duty. Josh Jacobs, 7 carries for 27 yards, couldn't get a lot going on the ground. And Matt Ryan did not have Julio Jones, did not need Julio Jones in this game, didn't really need to do all that much because the Raiders' offense was so out of sync. Matt Ryan had 185 yards passing, 2 touchdowns, a pick. Edo Smith on the ground, 12 carries for 65 yards and a tutty. Brian Hill, 13 carries for 55 yards. Calvin Ridley had that one touchdown on nine targets. There's the train. Six catches for 50 yards. But it was just a terrible showing by the Las Vegas Raiders. Falling apart in this game. The Raiders turned the ball over on downs. They fumbled the football. Then they punt. Then they got a field goal. And then they just punted, fumble. And that was their first half their second half punt interception return for a touchdown field goal fumble fumble punt punt Raiders did not show up they didn't get off the bus and it's something that you wouldn't necessarily expect especially after playing so well on Sunday night football Las Vegas had five turnovers Atlanta possessed the ball for 34 minutes to 25 for Derek Carr and the Raiders and Atlanta had only 304 yards on offense to 243 for the Raiders. And Hunter Renfro had the seven catches for 73 yards, most of the offense for Las Vegas Raiders. This is not a great showing. You can't have these kind of games if you're the Raiders. And then we had an NFC West breakdown, really. The 5 and 6 49ers beat the 7 and 4 Rams. That's their records. Now, of course, the 49ers last second get a field goal to go up 23 to 20 as the clock expires. Rams went in this with a very conservative game plan, mainly because Jared Goff was struggling, I guess you could say. But even initially, they were running the football quite often with Cam Akers, finished 9 for 80 forward, touchdown, looked pretty good, had a 61-yard run, gave a spark to Los Angeles, who looked hapless up until the third quarter, and Daryl Henderson, 10 carries for 19 yards, did not look exactly that great. But the two interceptions by Goff, one was taken back for a touchdown by Javon Kinlaw, and it looked like this game could get out of hand, but luckily... For the Rams, their defense ended up stick, uh, stepping up pretty large. Stripped Raheem Mostert, who finished the game 16-43 with a touchdown. Stripped him and then ran it back for a touchdown to make this a more competitive game. But I feel like Los Angeles just kind of forgot Cooper Cup existed. One of their best offensive drives 
was with Cooper Cup having a 33-yard reception. He finished two for 41, five targets. And I know they really focus on him in the middle of the field, San Francisco, with some slice coverages and things like that. But you would think Sean McVay would do a better job getting him implemented like he did with Robert Woods. 12 targets, 7 for 80. Moving the sticks with players like Robert Woods and Cooper Cup like they did against Tampa Bay, but they cannot do that in this game. And it led to San Francisco beating the Rams. And it looked like it was going to overtime. It did. But Debo Samuel just kind of put the team on his back throughout the entire game. But even on that last drive with a couple really clutch catches, finished 11 receptions for 133 yards on 13 targets in this game. Nick Mullins gets the win. The real pick in this game didn't necessarily look all that great, but did enough to secure the W and really kind of make the NFC West that much more competitive. You know the Seahawks were rooting for the San Francisco 49ers in this game, and 49ers were able to prevail. Then we had the really wild game where there was really no starting quarterbacks because Taysom Hill is kind of like a tight end, you can argue, and then the Denver Broncos, who had to start Kendall Hinton, who threw nine passes in this game, completing one of them for 13 yards along with two picks. And Hinton was a practice squad wide receiver. So Jeff Driscoll ends up coming down with COVID. And there's video of Blake Bortles, Brett Rippon, and starting quarterback Drew Locke all with him without their masks on. So they all got put on the COVID list with him due to contact tracing. And they had to go into this game. This was put on them on Saturday. They had to go into this game with Kendall Hinton, a guy that a lot of people didn't even know. So basically, the Broncos just ran wildcat. This was a really insane game. I think Denver had like maybe two first downs in the game. They couldn't really do anything. They ended up getting three points. They lost 31-3. to That was because Taysom Hill threw a stupid pick and put Brendan McManus in range for a 58-yard field goal, and they ended up drilling it. But this was a very, very wild, wild kind of affair for the Denver Broncos. Very unlucky for the Denver Broncos, really. Taysom Hill in this game finished with 78 yards passing, one interception, two rushing touchdowns, 44 yards on the ground. Latavius Murray, 124 yards on the ground, two rushing touchdowns. Alvin Kamara really didn't do anything. Had 11 carries for 54 yards, one catch for negative two yards. It's going to definitely be a game that is going to be an answer of a trivia question. Who was a starting quarterback that was a wide receiver during 2020 for the Denver Broncos? And that would be Kendall Hinton, everybody. So let's not forget that. The only completed pass was to Noah Fant, one reception for 13 yards. He had two targets in the game. And it was just really the Saints defense stopping Denver, forcing Denver to punt. And then the Saints either punting, driving down the field, and there was the one interception. It just was a game where Denver really didn't have that much of a shot. And now the Saints go to 9-2, and two and Denver falls to 4-7. and seven. And then we have the Chiefs and the Buccaneers game. And the Chiefs and the Buccaneers game was really exciting, ended close, 27 24 for the Chiefs, who go to 10 and 1. Buccaneers fall to 7 and 5. But in this game, it was all Tyree Kill, who had 15 targets, caught 13 of them for 269 yards for three touchdowns. He had over three, or he had over 200 yards, I should say, in the first quarter. Dominated. Pat Mahomes finished with 462 yards passing for three touchdowns on 49 attempts, 37 completions. Tom Brady, two picks, three tutties, 345 yards, 41 attempts, 27 completions. One of those touchdowns was to Ronald Jones. Other two were to Mike Evans, who finished three for 50 on nine targets. Ronald Jones had a 37-yard scamper off a catch in the flat. Very nice. Kind of walked the sideline, really, to get in. It's very, very close. And as for Kansas City, 
eight targets for Travis Kelsey, caught all eight of them for 82 yards. But nobody else really had to do that much other than Tyree Kill. Clyde had 11 carries for 37 yards. The Buccaneers also had a pretty interesting throwback combination of Brady to Gronk. Gronk finished seven targets, six for 106. On a couple really nice plays, really nice deep passes by Tom Brady. As we know, that's been very scrutinized, that specific skill set of Tom Brady's after the debacle against the Los Angeles Rams last week. It was an exciting game, and the Chiefs possessed the ball the majority of the time, and it just kind of goes to show you that it's going to be really hard for any AFC team, or for really any team for that matter, to, to stop the Kansas City Chiefs. They're just that much better than other teams right now, offensively. And their defense obviously has spags, and they're a solid unit as well. But stopping Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, the rushing attack when they have to, it's, it's going to be very, very difficult. But that's the slate, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this show. I am Nicholas Filato. This was Filato on Football during week 12. Please enjoy the rest of the football. Hope we get it on Tuesday. We'll see if that ends up happening. Everybody have a lovely day. Please rate, subscribe, and review this podcast if you want to. And take care of yourselves. Bye-bye now. Support for this show comes from HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.